Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 14, these verses are on the screen. You don't have to turn to them. Two familiar verses of Scripture out of Joshua 24. The Bible says, So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshiped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. I want to talk to you this morning from a question, why should I serve God? pray with me. God, thank you for this time together, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word, God. I pray you'd be our teacher now by your spirit. Speak to our hearts and show us what you would have us to know. God, I pray you change lives in this place today and accomplish your will. You promised that your word would never return void, but it would accomplish the purpose you set it forth to do, God. So I ask you now to send it forth in Jesus' name. Amen. Why should I serve God? While you're getting your mind wrapped around that question, one thing I forgot to say during the announcements, and y'all know I don't really like announcements, but I like this announcement. Yesterday, as has been the course for almost every Saturday, all of 2017, we set another uh, Abundant Life church-wide career-long record in our food and clothing ministry and fed over 400 people out of our, out of our food pantry yesterday. Largest giveaway we've ever had. Uh, people are lining up now before the doors even open. And the ones that came yesterday were blessed. We had frozen uh, chicken quarters, and we had fresh strawberries and all types of produce. Uh, tell If you know somebody that needs some food, if you need some food, listen, please don't think that outreach is just for everybody else. This food and clothing ministry is for us. It's for the community. If you could use a box of food, this is good stuff. We not only fed the largest amount we've ever fed, gave away more clothes yesterday than we, we gave away over 300 pieces of clothing yesterday, so we're feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, making a difference in the community. And I want you to let somebody know. I keep blowing it up on my Facebook. I got over 5,000 friends on my Facebook, and I keep blowing it up on my Facebook. We got people driving from out of the city now. We got people coming from all over uh Georgia and Central Florida almost coming up. To get, I don't know why you drive an hour and a half to get a box of food, but I praise God there's a church that's supplying a box of food for somebody willing to drive to get one. Amen? Let's look, let's look at this thought, this question today. Why should I serve God? Now, this proposes that you want to serve God. This proposes that that's ever a question to you, and it needs to be a question in your mind. Let's look at our text again in verse 14 of Joshua 24. The scripture says, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly, period. Always pause on punctuation. Don't rush through the word of God. Think about what it's saying. The Bible commands us to fear the Lord. Now, if you're coming to midweek Bible study, we dealt with that phrase recently. The Bible says in Proverbs 8, 13, uh, it defines the fear of the Lord. What does the Bible say in Proverbs 18, 8, 13 that the fear of the Lord is? To hate evil. So God wants us to understand the difference between good and bad. The scripture declares that if you refuse to put a difference between evil and what is holy, that God will bring a curse on you and all of yours. But you have to put a difference between what is good and what is bad. So we've got to learn how to hate evil and serve God wholeheartedly. I think this is where many people miss out on Christianity. I think this is where a lot of people miss out on getting their blessing because some people try to add God on. Some people try to make God a part-time lover. Some people try to make God fit in. And God has never looked to fit in. God has looked to take over. God has never wanted to be a part of your life. 
God didn't send his son Jesus to the cross to suffer and bleed and die for us so we could just come to church on Sunday morning. He didn't give us his everything so we could give him our something. He wants us to serve him wholeheartedly. Can you agree with that? Is it hot in here to anybody? Whoo! I ain't even started yet. Sick last week, lost a little bit of weight, though. Hey, did you lose any? All right. Man, this man been the same weight for over a decade. I'm, I'm under him right now. I'll put it back on this week so you don't feel bad. Serve God wholeheartedly. Say everything. You got to learn how to serve God with your everything. He said you got to love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. This is not for the faint of heart. This is not a religion that just is a Sunday, Wednesday religion. He goes on further to say put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Now, here's what I did. I wasted a lot of time studying all these different gods, false gods, idols. The word idol in the Bible, I love the literal definition for the Hebrew word idol. It literally means no god. So when they say little g gods, what they're really saying is my god is God, and what you think is God is really nothing. And so I looked up all these nothings that their ancestors worshipped when they lived over on the other side of the river in Egypt, but I found out that that really doesn't pertain to us, but there are some gods that are being worshipped in America. There are some gods that are being worshipped in the land that we live in. They're, they're easy to define. Things. What, what do you think are some big things that people set their affection on? Your God, your worship is the thing that you think about a lot, that you care about a lot, that you spend money on, that you focus on. In America, sports, entertainment, fun, clothing, drugs, alcohol. There's so many different things that people waste their time and their money on. So many things people think they can't live without. But I promise you, if you ever get to know who God really is, you're going to know the one thing in life that you cannot do without is God. We need to love God with everything that we have. We need to serve him wholeheartedly. We don't have enough people serving God in this one church. We have got, I'm going to put them on blast right now. Now, David, David's not even here. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put your husband on blast right now for, for doing a great job. We sent three people, two the same every week, sometimes three the same, to pick up all the food that we gave away sat yesterday over a hundred giant boxes of food loaded up in multiple vehicles and here's what we had now this wasn't my definition church administrator wrote this down she said it probably looked funny to have a middle-aged woman with a bad back a man in his 70s and a man with a cane carrying 60 pound boxes of food it probably did. I want to ask somebody. Wait, wait, wave at everybody. Karana, wave at everybody. I, I want to ask somebody. Don't make her husband limp on a cane and try to carry a 60-pound box of frozen chicken. Amen? Wait, wave at everybody, Ken. Ken, Ken is a deacon-elect. He's been set aside to be a deacon in our church. He's our senior uh, adult member. He's the oldest man in the church. He was breaking his back carrying heavy boxes of food so we can give them away. Wave it, everybody, Dina. That's our church administrator. She got to do everything that don't get done. And so she had to go do manual labor, which meant she wasn't here to assist me in, in the administration of the church. Now, I wish, I, I promise you, I wish that I hadn't ripped my back up four years ago and had a back surgery. I'd rather be dealing with lifting boxes than, than dealing with crazy people all day long. Amen? But here's what I'm asking. If you have some time on Thursday or Friday or if you're willing to help assist bring this food, because I would love to see our food pantry open every day. I hate to think. Well, I, I, one of the questions I asked Dina, did everybody get something? Because I knew the chicken was going to go quick, and the chicken went quick. Um, but I wanted to make sure that everybody that came got a box of food. I want this thing to be open every day. But we can't have a middle-aged woman, a man on a cane, and a senior adult bringing all the food in the world, loading it in cars, dragging it in here, separating it, spreading it out. 
I'm asking somebody to listen, serve God even a little bit. Amen. The scripture declares well to serve him wholeheartedly. Now, I know everybody can't take off work Thursday afternoon and, and go do this. But if you have a heart to help, I want you to get with Deacon Ken. Or I want you to get with our church administrator, Dina Mills, and talk to them about how you can help. Because it is time for you to do what God has called you to do. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. Verse 15 says, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, come it's like Wednesday night Bible study in here this morning. I'm going to tell you again, always pause on the punctuation. Take the Bible in bite-sized pieces so you can chew it and digest it and get it down on the inside of you. You need to realize what the Word is saying, not just say, I read it. And this phrase says, if you refuse to serve the Lord. So just based on what that's saying, what, what can you infer from that? There's a choice. You can do it or you cannot do it. Now, I don't think it'd take a genius in here this morning to figure out, are most people doing it or most people not doing it? When it comes to serving the Lord wholeheartedly, are most people doing it or most people not doing it? We've got people that can sing sitting in the church when they should be up here singing on this choir because they don't want to come on Thursday night to practice. Hello? Anybody? We, we got people that can play instruments that don't want to get involved because, well, I don't want to give more of my time to the Lord. What would you rather give your time to? The Bible says you got to lay up some treasure in heaven. We got to get heavenly minded. We got to get our mind set on the big picture. The Bible says if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. I love this passage. I love this portion of this verse because I am an old school fundamental preacher. I'm an orthodox theologian and I love to read behind people who are dead. One of my early mentors in Christ in, in Bible college told me, don't read behind theologians that are still alive because you might quote them and they change their mind. Now if you don't, if, if you need a, a case in point for that, if you need a proof text for that, Bishop Jakes came out last month and said his position on homosexuality has evolved and he no longer thinks we should be governed by a 2,000-year-old manuscript in, in, the, in the regard to how we deem culture should live. Okay, so that, that's good advice. But one, one of the preachers that I love to study behind and listen, uh, read his manuscripts is a preacher named Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And coming out of this passage of Scripture, choose who you will serve. He was talking in one sermon about excuses and how people say they have their reasons why they don't come to church, why they don't read the Bible, why they don't pray, why they don't live right, why they don't do what God has called them to do. And he said this, and I'm paraphrasing, but I'm trying to stay as close to it as I can because he was old school dude and spoke in big words. He said, enough of it. Away with it already. I would have none of your excuses for why you serve not my Christ. I would rather you boldly say you hate my God and his son Jesus and you have no desire to follow him at all than to hear your pitiful excuses ever again. I don't know, he'd grow a church in 2017. But that's what this is saying. He's saying, if you refuse to serve the Lord, then go ahead and decide who you will serve. But stop saying you're going to serve God while you're still chasing money. Stop saying you're going to serve God while you're still chasing form, fashion, fame, and while you're still out there trying to do what you want to do and put your own agenda in place. Just go ahead and boldly say it. I'm serving me. Get you a T-shirt that says it. I am an awesome God. I told y'all about that book. I, if I wouldn't have they'd put me in jail if I'd have done with it what I wanted to do with it. Walking through Walmart with my youngest son, Seth, walked past the book section. I glanced, pastor of the largest church in America, Joel Osteen, had a new book out. It said, I am. And I thought, oh, that's a cool title for a book. I love that because God said his name is what? I thought this is going to be awesome because Joel typically talks about motivational stuff. He said he doesn't like to talk about theology because he's not schooled in theology. And I thought, well, this is cool. He's making a turn. He's going to talk about God here. And I read the back jacket, and it said, when you learn how powerful you really are, you will be able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I am great. I am in charge of my own destiny. And I thought, man, if I could burn this book right here in this aisle without going to jail, I'd burn it right now. Do you realize that you are not your own God? 
Do you realize there's a God in heaven that's above us, that's better than us, that's bigger than us, that's more awesome than any creature in the world, the only one worth serving? He said, would you prefer to serve the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? These weren't even gods. They can't help you. They can't do anything for you. Do you realize the Bible says that what people offer to other gods than Jehovah, they offer to the devil? There's God in the devil. What you sacrifice to any other god than the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, if you believe the Bible, you're offering it to the devil. He's saying these are nothing. Will it be the gods, the Amorites in whose land you now live? They're nothing. But then he goes on and he makes this statement that people put on door knockers, that people put on doormats. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. I wonder if you can even make your mouth say that. I wonder if that could even be the confession or the desire of your heart. Would you be willing to say that you want for you and your family to serve the Lord? That ought to be the heartbeat of every real Christian. That ought to be the desire of every true child of God. But we need to understand there is a choice to make. Say choice. It's a choice to make. Serve him or don't. Now, I would love to pull that quote out and just... Painted on the walls, that wall right there, big blank spot. Enough of your excuses. Away with your excuses. Just boldly say that you hate my God and his son Jesus Christ rather than hear another excuse. I'm glad you came to church today. I'm glad that you made a decision to lose an hour of sleep and be to church on time because I know a lot of people would use something as trivial as a clock set to stay home and not come to church. But I want us to look today at some reasons why we should serve God so we can make sure that we are always on the side of saying that we will serve the Lord. You got this choice to make, but even if you choose to serve God, you need to know why. Say why. There needs to, there needs to be a why behind every what. You need to have a deep reason for why you do things. You shouldn't just know what you're going to do. You need to know why you're going to do it because knowing your reason why is going to help you continue serving him even when times get tough and even when you don't feel like it. Did you hear that? Say, Pastor, are times going to get tough for Christians? I thought we were saved, sanctified, fire, baptized, filled with the Holy. Yeah, times are going to get tough. People don't understand. Every other nation in the world has crumbled. Every other regime in the world has crumbled. The, America is the only nation to ever exist for over 200 years on one founding document. Every other nation rose and fell. Well, Pastor, do you think one day America could fall? Absolutely. God owes no promise to holding America up. We might be a third world country in 10 years. Not us. Hey, keep living. Times are already hard. If you don't realize how hard times are, you need to talk to more people. But if you know why you serve the Lord, you will be able to continue serving him even when times get rough. And the other thing I said, even when you don't feel like it. Pastor, do Christians ever not feel like serving God? Well, I can tell you this. There's days in my life I don't feel like serving God. Anybody other than me? Oh, Y'all so holy. I, just, I, love, I love preaching to perfect people because there aren't any. There are going to be times in your life you don't feel like serving God at all. There's going to be days you wake up, you, you, you just ain't feeling it. But if you know why you serve the Lord, you're going to push past difficulty. You're going to push past sin. You're going to push past self. You're going to push past your circumstance. And you're going to be able to do what God has called you to do. Let's look at some reasons why we should serve God. Number one, because of who he is. That song we sang just a moment ago said, because of who you are. I give you glory. So many people are looking for God to do something for them. You need to start with understanding who he is. The God of this Bible is a good God, a loving God, a gracious God. He's a merciful, benevolent God. He's a God that cares about his children. And I believe if we would ever realize who it is that we say we worship, it would change our desire to worship him more. I don't believe worship leaders, it's so popular. I travel around, I listen to different pastors, and I go in different churches, and I hear worship leaders say, I dare you right now just to throw your hands up in the air. I dare you to give him a praise. I, and why, why are we having to dare people? 
to worship God? Why are we having to dare people to praise? If we ever really knew who he was, we'd be coming here shouting, going crazy, running around a building, throwing money in the air. Our God is an awesome God. But if we asked everybody in the room today, because God has shown himself in many different ways. He's, he's exposed who he is to us in many different ways. And if we had time to go around the room and ask each person, who is God to you? When you think about God, what resonates in your mind? God has revealed himself to us in, in different ways. One, one of the major ways God has revealed us, himself to us is as a father. And many people say, he's my father. And man, there's nothing better than having the right dad. See, I, I wasn't born with the right dad biologically. I wasn't born on the right side of the tracks, and that, that's why I didn't go to an Ivy League college. And, and, and that's, that's why I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth. But I have the right heavenly father. Can anybody agree with me on that? If, I, if you have the right heavenly father to know that he's my father. See, because a father looks out for you. A father provides for you. A father cares for you, but he also guides and instructs you. He shows us, some people would say, he's my savior. And I can relate to that so heavy because I know he saved me when I wasn't worth saving. I know he reached down deep in a ditch to pull me up out of the miry muck of this world's sin and set me on a solid rock. Some people would, would say that he's my way maker or he's my shelter when life storms come bother me. He shows himself in so many different ways you need to be able to gravitate to who God is to you. You need to find out some things about God. You need to think about who the God of the Bible is. That's why it's so important that you read his word. In Romans chapter 2 verse 4, God said that it's the goodness of the Lord that leads to repentance. So many preachers try to scare people into heaven. So many preachers try to scare people into living right. That, that's not the biblical process. We don't need to be scared of God to serve him because we won't serve him from our true heart that way. But if you realize how good he is, if you realize how much he loves you, if you realize this, look, try to get your mind around this. He knows every bad thing you've ever done, and he still sent his son to die for you. He knows every bad thought you've ever thought, and he still loves you as much as he loves his own son, Jesus Christ. He knows every bad thing you've done before, every bad thing you're doing now, and every bad thing you're going to do, and he still has prepared a home for you in heaven, and he's waiting there to receive you unto himself. We need to serve him because of who he is. It was popular years ago. Churches were saying it all over the place. The leader would say, God is good, and the church would say all the time, and then he'd say all the time, they say God is good. We need to know he's good. We need to keep that in our minds. We need to understand that that's who he is. He, he, he can't be anything other than good. When God is judging, he is good. When God is chastising, he is good. My, my kids understand the reason I spank them is because I love them. My kids understand the reason I discipline them is because I want them to be successful in life. Everything that God does flows from who he is, and the God of this book is a good God. Another reason we need to serve God is because of what he's done. See, we, we worship him because of who he is. We, we thank him for what he's done. I, I want you to think, don't answer out loud, but I want you to think, has the Lord ever done anything good for you? Has the Lord ever done anything good in your life? Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 103, verse 1. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercy. Listen to verse 5. He fills my life with good things. The scripture tells us that every good thing that you have comes down from above, from our Father. Every good, whatever you have in your life that you can consider good. Remember your kids before they got old and on your nerves? When they were young and cute and you could hold them, they were a gift from God. You, 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 ought to, you ought to look at everything and remember how much God has done for you. If you have a roof over your head, are you thankful for it? I remember one time 
when Jim Lundy came and gave testimony Wednesday night, he, he was thanking God for a working refrigerator. And I thought, well, that's different. I've been doing this for four decades, and I've never heard anybody thank God for a working refrigerator. So I said, well, explain that to me a little bit. And he said, well, my refrigerator went out, and I was able to get a working refrigerator before all my food went bad. And I thought, you know what? We aren't thankful sometimes for stuff until it goes bad, and we realize how upset we are it's not working. Because I hadn't been thankful for my refrigerator that day, but last week when my dryer went out, I was sure mad at my dryer. It's a lot easier in the natural to get mad at things than it is to be thankful for things. I hadn't been saying any thanks for my dryer working every time I touched that button. But since I got it fixed, after three different people had to come out and look at it, after I had to haul my clothes over to my sister's house and beg her to wash them for me, I didn't have to beg her. She volunteered. I was on my way to the laundromat. I push that button now, and I say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. That dryer is drying clothes. Hey, nothing smells worse than little boy's clothes that got washed but didn't get dried. Ask me how I know after church. He fills my life with good things. Maybe you don't have a refrigerator. Maybe you don't have a working washing machine. But you're here and you're clothed and you're mostly in your right mind. I want us to learn how to have thank you, Jesus, in our mouth. I want us to learn how to be thankful that God has given us good things. I want us to serve him not just because of who he is, but I want us to remember what he's done. The Hebrew people did a great job of retelling stories to their children and their children's children. They constantly sat down and they talked about the God of our forefathers who brought us out. The, and I, I can just see those kids rolling their eyes and thinking, oh, here we go. Tell us about the 12 rocks you piled up, Dad. T tell us about how Granddad walked over on the dry land and Pharaoh got drowned. Tell us about that. Horses floating in the... Go ahead, tell us again. But you need to rehearse the story of what God has done for your children, for your children's children, and for your own ears. You need to be reminding yourself God has done great things. This will keep you in the midnight hour. This will keep you in the dark time. This will keep you when you don't feel like loving God. This will keep you when you don't feel like getting out of your bed and praying when he leads you to get out of your bed and pray. If you can remember that he's done more for me than I've done for him. We got to get it in our mind. He's better to us than we've been to him. I know so many people that are mad at God, feeling like God did them wrong, like they hadn't had a fair shake in life, like God hasn't done enough for them. I, I've, I've got to get you to understand that he did more for us at Calvary than he had to do. He did more for us on the cross than we could ever make up for him doing, but we, we need to be thankful and we need to serve him for all that he's done. He didn't have to do it, but he did it. Isn't that what we say? He didn't have to do it, but he did it. And you need to have that in your, he didn't have to save me, but he did. He don't have to love me, but he does. He doesn't have to give me oxygen to breathe, but I'm breathing it. I know people that say, God never did things for me. I did it all on my own. I did it with my strength of will and my brilliant mind. Listen, if you have a brilliant mind, it's because God gave you one. If you have any strength in your body, it's because God gave it to you. Hallelujah. We got to understand that God has done great things. One of the things I love, the Bible reveals about Jesus in Hebrews 7.25, and I don't think Christians talk about it enough. I don't think preachers preach about it enough. But according to Hebrews 7.25, the Bible says that Jesus lives to make intercession for us. He is constantly calling your name to God. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? People feel good if the pastor's praying for them. I get that. People feel good if sister so-and-so who really connects with God is praying for them. I get that. Church mother's praying for you. You feel better about your situation. I understand that. But listen to me. If you are a child of God, the Lord Jesus Christ is praying for you to the Father. He's calling your name before God, and he's asking God to help you in your situation. We don't ever need to back up from serving God. We need to press in. I've been saying it for years, and we need to see it happen today. Before we leave this place, we need to see it happen today. People have been backsliding for so long in this country, it's time for the real Christian to front slide. 
it's time for somebody to front slide and say, I will serve him with my whole heart. We need to serve God because of who he is. We need to serve God because of what he's done. Thirdly, we need to serve God because time is short. Time is short. John chapter 9, Jesus said you got to work while it's day because there's a day coming when no one can work. There's going to be a time when time stops. We're not going to be here forever. And I I feel the eyes rolling in young people's heads. And I hear people saying, they've been saying that forever. Listen, they have been saying it for a long time. People ask me, Pastor Scott, do you really believe that you will see Jesus come back in your lifetime? And I really do. I really do. I've been telling people for a long time. Paul believed in his lifetime. He didn't see it happen. But Paul could not have seen it happen. My great-grandparents believed it in their lifetime that they would see it happen. They didn't see it happen, but they could not have seen it happen. We are the first generation of people who could see it happen, and that's why I believe we are the generation of people who will see it happen because the Scripture declares in the book of the Revelation that when Jesus comes back, when the whole world comes to an end, when this whole thing shuts down and God institutes a new heaven and a new earth, that there are going to be two witnesses for him in Jerusalem, and they are going to be killed and laid dead in the street, and the Bible says, and the whole world will see it. My grandfather could not have seen two dead people laying in Jerusalem. There was no CNN. There there, there was no satellite TV. There was no internet streaming live. Do you know we can watch what's happening? You can can FaceTime somebody right now, and and they can hold the phone out. So look, check this. They're laying in the street. That technology never existed before our generation. We're the first generation for it to be possible for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that everything's done in the Bible now that had to be done for him to come back. And I believe he's coming back soon. I believe he's coming back soon. And if we're going to get anything done, this is the time to do it because time is very short. You say, well, preacher, they've been saying that forever. i tell you what the Bible says. No matter how much further it is, away we're nearer now than when we first believed I got saved on July 15 1981 30 almost six years ago I'm 36 years closer now I, I figured it's just for sure 1981 just graduated high school barely uh, just got out of jail again just got saved it's got the end of the world's got to be happening God finally got the lowest one he got me listen we are closer than we've ever been but most people don't ever wake up thinking about it. Today could be the day. That's why you got to remind yourself. That's why you need to sing Christian songs. That's why you need to get good music. You need to think about, some of y'all remember that old song, soon and very soon we are going to see the king. I'm telling you, church, soon and very soon. We are going to see the king. One day, we are going to leave this place, and our faith is going to become sight. And what we've believed that others refuse to believe, we will see with our very own eyes. Because this thing is winding down, and I believe that very soon we are going to see the king. So what does that mean, time is short? What it means is you're going to do anything for God, you better do it now. There's not going to be any work to be done once we get translated from here into eternity. If you're going to share your faith with someone, if you're going to tell a loved one about Christ, if you're ever going to walk by faith, now is the only time you can do it. Here's what the Bible says. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith pleases God. When you serve him by faith, you make God happy. Do you know there will be no faith in heaven? All sight. You won't have to believe for anything in heaven because you'll see things in heaven. This is your only opportunity to serve God by faith. And some of you have waited and waited and, listen, wasted and wasted time. Because time keeps on ticking, ticking, ticking into the future. Time keeps moving whether you make good use of it or not. And days turn into weeks and weeks turn into months and months turn into years and years turn into decades. And you wonder, where did my 30s go? Where did my 40s go? Where did my 50s go? If they weren't spent serving the Lord, they went to waste. Don't waste another decade living for the world. Don't waste another year living for anything other than God. Don't waste another week serving the gods that other people serve. Serve the God of the Bible. Serve the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Too many people are bought into the lie of the devil that I'll do better one day. One day is not promised us. Today is the day we have. 
The lie the devil wants to cause you to procrastinate, to believe one day things are going to get better. One, one day I'm going to start reading my Bible. One day I'm going to start living holy. One day I'm going to be the man, the woman God wants me to be. One day I'm going to start getting up early and spending an hour in prayer. One day I'm going to start doing what God has called me to do, using my gifts and talents for the Lord. Listen, all that is foolishness. That, that, that's, a, that's a fairy tale of going to do. You got to get out of what you're going to do and start doing something. If you're reading the book of the month, James, James, James said, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Too many people have deceived themselves thinking, well, I'm going to get better. One day I'm going to be the person God wants me to be. Why not today? God said to serve him with your whole heart. I promise you, I don't believe people plan to fail, but I do know people fail to plan. Nobody sets out to fail. Nobody plans to fail, but people do fail to plan. And then one day it hits them. Life has passed them by, and they didn't accomplish what they wanted. Life has passed them by, and they never led anybody to Christ. Life has passed them by, and they never involved their life in gospel ministry. See, gospel ministry is not just for people who work at the church. And I thank God for that. I came out of a church where every, especially if you were a man, because they didn't understand how powerful women are in Christ, and it ministry for men and women. But I came out of a church where if you were a young man and you were on fire for God, they want to ship you off to Bible college. You, you're supposed to be a preacher. Why? God needs saved, fired up, sold out school teachers, plumbers, pipe fitters. God needs carpet layers that love the Lord. You need to understand that God has a call on your life to serve him where you are. The question is, who will you serve this day? Not going to do, not what you're going to do. Who will you serve this day? Don't fail to plan, church. There are people that are just hoping magically one day everything's going to fall into place and they're going to become the person God wants them to be. I want to tell you that's a lie. It's not going to magically fall in place. You're not going to become who God wants you to be by osmosis. You can't just show up long enough and it just finally drip down on you. You've got to put some feet to your prayers you got to draw a line in the sand and say enough is enough and I've had too much and I'm ready to get on with the getting on. And I'm going to try to encourage you in a moment to front slide with me and some other people in this church. I told you, we're looking at why we should serve God. I said because of who he is, because what he's done, because time's short. I want you to think about this fourth one and the last point I want to give you this morning because judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. For everyone, not just for unsaved people. Judgment is coming for saved people. Pastor, we're not, we don't get judged after we get saved. Yes, we do. There are many judgments that will happen at the end of time. The two big judgments that people think about are the judgment for Christians and the judgment for lost people. The judgment for Christians is called the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment for non-Christians is called the great white throne. Listen, listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we, okay, now let's pause right there, and let me get my Bible theologians, my, my scholars out real quick. When the author of a book of Scripture says we, who is he primarily talking to? Christians. He's including himself in this category. He says we must all stand before Christ to be judged. Don't think Christians won't be judged. The apostle Paul knew he was going to be judged. He knew his Christian friends at Corinth were going to be judged. He said in this passage, knowing the terror of the Lord, I beg you and urge you and compel you to live right. Because this judgment is coming. We must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. This isn't talking about sin. There's no punishment for sin to the Christian. If you believe that Jesus paid the price for your sin, then your sin is paid for. But for the life that you've lived, the works that you've done, you're either going to gain reward or you're going to suffer loss. God, God said in John uh, 5.22 that he has committed all judgment to the Son. The Father doesn't judge anyone. He's committed all judgment to the Son. And Jesus is going to judge every human being that has ever lived on this planet. Every Christian and every non-Christian. As a Christian, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And here's basically what I believe the speech is going to be. I, I'm, I'm guessing on this. I'm piecing stuff together by what I've studied over the last 35 years. When you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, 
put that other verse on the screen for me. When you stand before the judgment seat of Christ that the Bible says we must all stand before, you will be by yourself. This is what the word declares. You will stand alone. We must all live and die to God alone. We must be judged alone, the Bible says. The Bible says that we are all naked before him with whom we have to do. So we will have no excuse. You won't be able to hide behind, well, my pastor let me down, so I gave up on God in my 20s. That's not going to work. You're not going to be able to hide behind, well, I was raised in dysfunction, so I never really learned how to love God and worship Him. You're not going to have any excuse to hide behind. You're going to stand before Jesus Christ as He sits on His throne, and you're going to be there by yourself with no excuse and no one to hide behind. And when Jesus says something like this to you, I left heaven and my father and the union that we'd had for all eternity to come down to the earth and be a man, to suffer and bleed and die to pay for your sin. Now let's look at your life and see what you did for me. And the record of your life, of all the things that you've done in your life, your accomplishments will be played before the Lord. How is that movie going to look? What if your life could be played out right now on this screen, right now? Not in front of Jesus. Listen, people come into my office and they're like, oh, I'm a little nervous, like being called in the principal's office. It's intimidating. Got furniture. It's supposed to. It's an office. If it's intimidating to be called in front, you'd be intimidated to let your life be shown right now in front of me in this congregation. Your life's going to be seen in eternity at the judgment seat of Christ. And the Bible says some will get reward and some will suffer loss. I've heard people say, Pastor Scott, I don't care how much I suffer at the judgment. As long as I get in, I don't care as long as I get in by the skin of my teeth. Anybody who says that and feels that, I don't believe truly loves the Lord. Because the purpose of the judgment seat of Christ is that we might have done something profitable in our lifetime, that we could lay up a reward in heaven. Because the Bible says when we get those rewards, that we're going to be able to turn around and place them at his feet and say, because of all you did for me, here is my life given back to you. And you ought to want to have something to present to Jesus Christ when you get to heaven to show that you loved him for real. We're all going to be judged. And it's going to be, the Bible says, a terrible day and a fearful day. It's going to be a day of intimidation because, listen, none of us have lived as close as we should live. None of us have done as much as we should have done. And none of us have made best use of our time. The Bible says that we should redeem the time, make best use of the time, use it for its highest purpose because the end is drawing near. This is the judgment for believers that every Christian will stand before. And I'm telling you, I want to have something to give Jesus when I get there. Jesus said, don't lay up treasure on earth because it can rust and it corrupt and people can steal it away from you, but lay up treasure in heaven. I've heard people say, oh, she's going to have lots of crowns in heaven. Nobody's going to have crowns in heaven except Jesus. Because as soon as we get our rewards, we're going to give them back to him. And I believe that's going to be the happiest day of every real Christian's life. When you can look at Jesus and say, it may not be much. And it might not be as much as the person who came before me. And it might not be as much as the person who's coming after me. But I want to give you back this. Because you're my Lord and you're my God. And I know you did a lot for me. And I did something for you in return. Think about the other judgment, though the scarier judgment because this is to do with heaven and hell. If you make it to the great if you make it to the judgment seat of Christ, you're in heaven. If you make it to the great white throne judgment, there is no no recourse for you. There's no second chance, there's no turnaround. And this is why it's so important that you share Christ with your friends. There's no do-over. There's no oh, let me let me go back and try again. Listen to what the gospel of Luke says about this judgment. This great white throne judgment of unbelievers in Luke 13, 27. And he, talking about Jesus the judge, will reply, I tell you, I don't know you or where you come from. Get away from me, all you who do evil. Now, when Jesus says, I don't know you, 
Obviously, he knows everything, so he knows who they are. But this word know in the Greek is an intimate word, genosko. It's the same word for the Hebrew word where it says Adam knew Eve. I'm not going to explain to you all how Adam knew Eve, but they had a baby because of it. Okay, it's talking about an intimate, close knowledge. It's talking about being wrapped up together. When Jesus said, I don't know you, it's like in our terminology, we say, I don't know you like that. And there are people he don't know like that. And there are people that are going to be shocked that he doesn't know them like that. Because in Matthew's gospel in chapter 7, the Bible says that many will say to Jesus on that day, but Lord, I've done all these things. I, I went to church. I, I did all this stuff. I, it says I cast out devils. I, I, I preached. I prophesied. I did many marvelous works in your name. Listen, miracle workers, preachers, people that are doing all these things but don't really have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ are going to be shocked on the judgment day when they find themselves at the wrong throne. When they find themselves at the great white throne of judgment where you are told why you're not being allowed into heaven, where the Bible says the books will be opened to you and it will be revealed to you that your name has not been written down in this book. Therefore, you have no admission into heaven. He said, I'll tell you, I don't know you. I don't know where you're from. Get away from me. Listen, Jesus is in heaven. When you get away from Jesus at the judgment, there's only one other place to go, and it's hell. The people don't like to hear about hell, and the fact that people are going to go to hell does me no, gives me no joy, but you need to understand, Jesus talked more about hell than he talked about heaven. Jesus preached 16 recorded sermons in the Gospels. Fifteen of them he directly talked about hell. There was a survey done recently in the church, churches across America, and it showed over 50% of people going to church don't believe that hell is a real place. If hell's not a real place, what's he saving us from? If hell's not a real place, what's all this Bible doing talking about it? If hell's not a real place, why, why is it mentioned more times than heaven? Hell is a real place. And there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And in verse 28 of Luke 13, the scripture says, There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for you will see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you will be thrown out. Here's the setup. Save people already in heaven. Because the Bible says one day the trumpet of the Lord will sound. And, and we will be caught up in, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye to be with the Lord. And we'll be with him there forever. And then there's going to be a lot of bad stuff going on in the earth. Then we're going to get to this judgment. Great white throne judgment. And it says you will see. There's a throne here. There's people coming up to it. You will see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. Throne, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the prophets. Prophets are people who speak for God. That's everybody who ever declared God going to be standing safely behind Jesus. I'm going to be safely behind Jesus. I have no appointment at the great white throne other than to be behind Jesus, safely behind his blood. But people will come up. This is the word of the Lord. People will come up to this great white throne, and they will be told, you're going straight to hell forever. To the place that was made for the devil and his angels, for eternal punishment of sin, because you didn't choose to accept the, the payment that Jesus made for sin, and there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But you're going to see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and everybody that ever spoke for God or about God's kingdom, but you'll be thrown out. Now, here's a misnomer, and I'm done. I've heard so many people say, I can't wait to get to heaven because there's no sorrow in heaven. That's not true. I hear people say, I can't wait to get to heaven because there's no pain in heaven. That's not true. I hear people say, I can't wait to get to heaven because there's no crying in heaven. That's not true. There's lots of crying in heaven. There's lots of crying in heaven because of this time in eternity right here. There's lots of pain and tears in heaven because of this judgment right here. Because it's not until Revelation 21, the next to the last chapter in the whole Bible, where God says he wipes away all the tears from their eyes. Why will we be crying in heaven? Because we're going to be standing there safely behind Jesus' great white throne. And our unsaved children 
and our unsaved parents and our unsaved cousins and our unsaved friends and everybody that we didn't take time to win to Christ, they're going to be there hearing Jesus say, I don't know you and you cannot come in. And they're going to see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and they're going to see you. And they're going to ask you, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you make me believe? Why didn't you let me know? Why did you let me come to the end of my life and perish in this hell? Why? Why are you safe, but I am damned? Why are you safe, but I am cursed? Why are you blessed in heaven while he's sending me to hell. And they're going to see you. And you're going to see them. And there's going to be weeping. There's going to be gnashing of teeth. And you will not be allowed audience with God to say, that's my mom, please save her. If you care about your mom's salvation, you better tell her today. You will not be given audience with God to say, but that's my son. Please let him in. If you care about your children, you better win them to Christ now. Because you are going to be stuck behind that throne. Jesus is the only judge. And when that bell rings, when that trumpet sounds, saved people are saved and lost people are lost. And there is no coming back. There's going to be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. The Bible says, how many people, when you're standing there safely in heaven in a translated body, healed and fully sanctified, how many people that you know do you want to see on the other side? How many children do you want to lose to this verse? How many family members do you want to lose to this verse? I've heard people tell me, people watch these movies, left behind movies, and so show pictures of the rapture, and they say, well, pastor, if you disappear and all the good Christians disappear, I'll give my life to Jesus then. God said in the book of Thessalonians that for everybody who ever had an opportunity to be saved but hardened their heart against God, that God would send them a strong delusion and they would believe a great lie. You will not have your faculties to say, all the real Christians are gone. I better get my life right. I think I've already figured out the great lie. I think it's easy to figure out in our culture. They're going to say aliens abducted folk. And you're not going to be able to remember that it wasn't aliens at all. It was the God who created this world came back to get every child who was willing to serve him. I wept my bed sheet soaked thinking about who I might see on the other side of that throne. It's not till the very end that God wipes away the tears. There's going to be crying in heaven. It's going to be crying at the judgment seat of Christ because we know we didn't do what we should have done with our life and God deserves so much more. There's going to be crying at the great white throne judgment on both sides as people we love are thrown out, but they see us in safety. And some of you are unmoved and you don't believe this story, but this is not a fable. And this is not a work of fiction. This is the truth of the word of God. This judgment is coming. And I want to ask you today to make sure that you don't end up in this place. You can't get into heaven on mama's religion. You can't get into heaven on, on, on uncle's religion. You have to have a real relationship. He has to know you like that. So I'm going to ask you two questions and I'm done. Do you know him like that? Do you know him really close? If you do, if you call yourself a Christian, would you please get on the business of serving God in a real way? And the last question is, does he know you like that? Does he know 
Does he have a personal relationship with you? Some of you have been putting this thing off, and you know that your life is not where it needs to be. You know you don't have real salvation. You know that you you got some religion, but you, you, it's not well with your soul. You ought to be able to lay your head down at night and know, if a bomb dropped on my house, I'm going to wake up in heaven. The Scripture says that God wrote this book for us so that we could know for sure that we have eternal life. 1% doubt is 100% lost. you got to know that you know. That you know that you're saved. What's it take to be saved? The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Some of you need to do that. You need to ask God to save you. You don't have to walk down an aisle. You don't have to pray with anybody. You just have to say, I really believe. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, if you believe this book is real, there's a man named Jesus. He died on a cross and he rose from the dead. And you ask him to save you, the Bible says that's what salvation is about. And I want everybody in this room right now to bow your head and close your eyes. And I want to give you an opportunity, all you who need real salvation, with no one looking around but me, I want to give you an opportunity to pray and ask God to save you. This prayer is not magic. This prayer will not save you, but if you really want salvation, God can see your heart. I want to pray this out loud. I want you to pray this silently. If you want to be saved this morning, if you know you're not saved and you want to be saved today, if you're not sure about it, I want you to pray this prayer. You pray it silently. I pray it out loud. Just pray, dear God, I believe in you, and I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus died for me and paid for my sins. Please forgive me. Please save me. Make me a real Christian. If you just prayed that with nobody else looking around or something like that, if you just called on God, because the Bible says if you call on him, he'll save you. With nobody looking around at me, if you just prayed and asked God to save you, as a way of testimony, I want you to just slip your hand up in there, put it up, and put it right back down. Anybody? All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Amen, amen, amen. That's over 20 people. I want you, I'm not going to ask you to come down this aisle. I'm not going to ask you to stand up here and make any confession today. But if you just prayed that prayer, I want you to determine that you will serve the Lord with all your heart. And that you will not go back. I want everybody to look up at me right now for a minute. If you're here and you're a Christian. And you really want to be who God wants you to be. Because we got to go save, we got to go get some folks saved. We can't, we can't be doing all this crying at the great white throne judgment. We can't be having mom and them unsaved. We got to go tell the world that God is real and that his son is alive. We backslidden for so long. If you're here, man, I, I, hate, I hate to do things that, that, that people do that don't really mean it. I was going to have you come forward, but I'm not going to have you come forward. But if you really are ready to front slide and say, I want to be all that God wants me to be, I want you to make a personal decision today. That says, no matter what everybody else does, I'm going to serve him. No matter what anybody else does, you be like Joshua. You stand up and you declare the truth to people. And you say, y'all do what y'all going to do. But for me, I'm going to serve him with everything. It's time. 2017. If you're my age or older, you never thought there'd be a 2017. We are late in this game. It is time for real Christians to live like real Christians. I want you to slide forward, child of God. I want you to slide forward and declare in your own mind, I'm going to get it together. I'm going to get it together. I'm going to get my family together, and I'm going to be everything that God wants me to be. I'm going to have treasure to give him when I get to the judgment seat of Christ. I'm going to have glory to give him when I get to heaven, and I'm going to take some people with me so I don't have to see them on the other side of that throne. Pray with me. God, we love you. We thank you for loving us. God, I pray. For every person, God, that prayed to be saved today, Lord, that you would give them the strength to declare to someone that they prayed to receive you today. God, I pray for every Christian in this room that we would serve you more than we have, love you more than we have. You've commanded us to serve you with our whole heart, and we haven't, God, so we repent, and we ask you to forgive us of our carnality, to forgive us of our laziness, forgive us of our wickedness, forgive us of our immorality. 
Forgive us of our foolishness. Forgive us for wasting the life that you've given us, God, and to give us courage and strength and empower us to get on with it and be who you've called us to be. Strengthen us, God. Fill us with your spirit and guide us. Use us for your glory is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.